Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder for me. on a Wednesday. Glad to have you with us as we continue on this hour. We talk a little Major League Baseball and yes, what is going on in the American League West? We'll dive into that. National League as well too. Huh? We've got five games left. All right. Regular season ends on Sunday. Playoffs begin next week. Look forward to that. Chris Bazio will join us. Appreciate our number one. You heard from Becky Ham and her thoughts on Asia Wilson not getting the MVP. And then that is interview. And our blog, our article is up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. So go down and check that out. And right now, we talk a little boxing. Oh, yes. Looking forward to it. Saturday night, Canelo Alvarez back in Las Vegas taking on Jamel Charlo for the undisputed super middleweight championship of the world. And my man will be on the call. Showtime championship boxing Al Bernstein joins us now. What is going on, brother? Hey, how are you? You're you're in the midst of a potential uh, return championship run by the Aces and telling us all about it on the radio. Very exciting. Thank you, Al. I appreciate that. It has been a a fantastic run. Uh, It's kind of mirroring what it was last year, maybe even... Even more so this year. Uh, it's it's a great team, uh, great women, and uh, the competition is fierce as we know. But uh, the Aces right now they're, they're showing you why they got that number one seed, and uh, hopefully they can put four more wins together. So they got they got four down and four to go here. Tell you what, the WNBA playing the best basketball it's ever played, uh, and. Um, and the Aces are a big part of that. And I'll tell you what, all I know is I'm hoping it comes down to a big battle between the um, the Aces and the Liberty. And we're going to get them in the, the final in the championship series. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's looking like. So it would be a fantastic series. I'm looking forward to calling that. All right, my friend, let's talk a little boxing. Canelo Alvarez, mm-hmm. Jermel Charlo, um, the undisputed super middleweight uh, championship on the line here, Al. And I'm going to get into the weights and all that kind of stuff with you first, but uh, I want to I want to take your temperature and you tell me how's the public's temperature for this fight as we are days away. Yeah, I think people are really uh, interested. You know, it's of course the fight sold out in no time, and um, uh, the the general interest by people has really built for this fight um, because. At the beginning when it was announced, you know, people thought, well, it's a stretch for Jamel Charlo. And you're going to alluded to weight issues, the fact that he's coming up in weight and all the rest of it. And he's an underdog, which he still is. But I think what people are kind of getting the, the idea of, well, there's two things. One, the undercard for this, for this is the best undercard I, of any pay-per-view, in my opinion, in the last 20 years. Wow, that's a statement, so, my friend. That is a statement. Yeah. One of the best ones I've ever called, and I've called, needless to say, over 150 major pay-per-view fights over the years. So 
that's pretty, so that makes it fun. And then the main event, people are starting to feel that Jermel Charlo, very serious about this, has a chance to pull an upset in this fight. And in truth, he does. And some people, Freddie Roach, the Hall of Fame trainer, has actually predicted Charlo will win, not just win, but win by knockout, which would be shocking, because not only has Canelo never been knocked out before, he's never been down. Mm. Now, you're making me want to reach out to Freddie and, and have him on and talk to him about this. Uh, one of my favorite guys. But like you said, Hall of Famer. And, and, and Freddie sees something there. Uh, yeah, we got to take notice. There's no doubt about it. Well, here's the thing, Al. I mean, we all, everyone knows, you know, Canelo. And if you follow boxing, you're very familiar with the Charlo brothers. And again, you've called so many of, of, of him and his brothers' fights because I know that pretty yeah. much, you know, they, they've been on Showtime for a long, long time. But um, for those of uh, the listeners out there that maybe are not too familiar with Charlo, talk about what he does well and why he has a shot here against Canelo Alvarez. Yeah, Jamel Charlo's been a 154-pound uh, junior middleweight champion. for. Uh, he lost his title to Tony Harrison and won it again immediately. He's been the champion for years. And is the undisputed champion at that weight class and has really shown himself to be the very best at that weight class. He's a very, very good ring technician who has lots of power. Now, granted, he's coming up to face a bigger fighter at 168 pounds, but Jamel Chawla has power in his left hook, power in his right hand. He's a very precise puncher. He's not a volume puncher, and if there would be one criticism of him, it would be that that low volume could cause him to lose rounds. But even in fights in which maybe he had lost some rounds, he always finds a way to win with his power. Uh, he's a very, very good fighter, and, and in his, his early 30s, he is a veteran of the sport, and so he understands everything, but he's not old enough to be considered old, and so he's still in his prime. The weight factor. So this fight will be contested at 168 pounds, which is the super middleweight you know limit. Charlo is the undisputed super welterweight title holder at 154 pounds. So you do the math here. It's two weight classes and jumps. And we have not seen this work out for other guys that tried to do this. And Canelo being one of those, right, Al? Because one of Canelo's two losses well, no, that's was not true. Was that's to not be- true. Canelo went up and beat. Uh, he did. He did. That's what I'm saying, though. But well, but but when he, when he fought Bivol, though, right? I mean, wasn't didn't Canelo go up? Uh, well, he went up one way class one. to fight Bivol. Right. He went up, but he had been, you know, and and that was difficult for him. And of course, he lost that fight to Dmitry Bivol. Right. But prior to that, he had gone up two way classes to be Kovalev. Now, the interesting thing is, he says, and it's it, we were talking to Canelo yesterday at the fighter meetings. He thinks Charlo's better equipped to go up in weight than he was because he said, look, I'm short. I'm a, I don't have the body of a light heavyweight. Uh, Canelo, or Charlo, has the body of a 168-pounder, even though he's fighting down at what's been tied at 154. For instance, Charlo will have the height and reach advantage in this fight, which is fascinating. Um, and so it's not impossible for him to go up. Clearly, it's a challenge. Now, um, Canelo was a 154-pounder. Remember, he fought yes. Floyd Mayweather yep. back in the day, at 100, and he was a 154-pound champion. So, he, But he has matric- matriculated his way up to 168. He didn't do it in one fell swoop. And the thing that Canelo has going for him in this fight, a couple of things. One is he's healthy. Uh, you know, he's had a series of nagging injuries that he believes have helped. He candidly admits he hasn't looked as good in his last couple fights as he normally does. And he believes a big part of that are these nagging injuries, hand injuries, uh, some other things. He feels healthy, he says, for the first time in quite a while. And he believes that's really going to help him in this fight. Um, and, of course, he is... Probably, you know, he's got that great chin, very hard to hurt. Uh, he's physically super strong. He's a great body puncher. Um, he will have to deal with Charlo's movement, which I think will be, it'll be a lateral movement. Uh, and he certainly wants to go to the body early and, and get that done. But, um, 
there there are a number of different interesting factors in this fight. And but Canelo Alvarez is very clear. He understands Jermel Charlo's a challenge in this fight. He doesn't think of him as this guy that can't come up and and challenge him. And I think I think we're going to see a very interesting fight. Um, you know, on Saturday, I, I do not expect this to be a blowout one way or the other. Right. And I'm glad you said that because that, that was going to be, uh, you know, my question basically to you or, or your statement here is that even though you have a two weight class difference here, um, Charlo is a very big, you know, super welterweight and, and Canelo is not the, the, the largest of super middleweights. I mean, like you said, so Charles going to have a reach advantage. I mean, he's got a height advantage over, over Canelo as well, too. So the gap here, if you just look at it with the naked eye, is really not that severe, which I think really makes for an interesting fight. Yeah, it does. And, and skill set wise, they're both terrific. So, you know, there's not, you can't look at this and say, there's just one fighter that I, I look at and say, gee, they're skill-wise so much farther above the other. They're both exceptionally exceptionally skilled. They're both good fighters. They both know what they're doing. Both low-volume punchers. And that's fascinating because will one of the Canelo, Charlo, of course, has a history, except for that Bavol fight, of getting the, the benefit of the doubt in close decision. Jamel Charlo didn't get the benefit of the doubt when he fought Tony Harrison and, and uh, gave up his title in a very close fight that could have gone either way. Um, but Charlo feels, he said, look, I didn't come here just to survive or to even try to, 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 to eke by a decision. He said, I want to win those rounds decisively. And Canelo admits that he needs to um, be better offensively than he has been in his last couple of fights, even though he beat John Ryder. Uh, he would, in that fight, he gave up some early rounds. So, uh, and in the Bavol fight, of course, he, he gave up too many rounds. And the other issue, the big one thing for fans to look at, in my opinion, is Canelo has had a history from time to time of fading in the latter portion of a fight, having some issues with stamina. If that happens in this fight, Expect your Mel Charlo to be able to take advantage of that. He's a very strong fighter from round one to round 12, especially the latter portion of fights. He has pulled out a number of his victories with very good performances in the final round, so uh, in the last part of the fight. So that's something for people to look at. Definitely. Al Bernstein Joyce will be on the call. Showtime Championship Boxing Pay-Per-View Saturday night, T-Mobile Arena here in Las Vegas. I think another narrative here is the competition level. And I'm just wondering, Al, does that really come into play when you're, when you're factoring this fight here? I mean, Charlo has not faced the caliber of competition, of course, that Canelo has faced. I mean, I mean, nobody, nobody, nobody has here. And I think, you know, some people will look at, okay, wait a minute. He lost to Tony Harrison. Tony Harrison, nice fighter, but, you know, not, not an elite level fighter here. Was that kind of a one-off for Charlo? Was Charlo, no, ha- what do you think? I, I, might push, I might push back on that one because, He's fought very good fighters on 154, and I, I put Tony Harrison in as a a very very good fighter, uh, A level, I don't know, but A minus, B plus right. for sure, and and he's he fought a, a a good brand of contenders at a 154. He didn't duck anybody, and he fought everybody, almost everybody he could fight in that division. So, um, and some might look at the recent uh, people that. Canelo has fought in the last several years, and except for Bavol, they would look at some of those names and say, you know, not they might have they might not be absolutely at the elite. Uh, you know, Golovkin was forty years old. Uh, Caleb Plant's a good fighter, but not an A level fighter, but a good fighter. Uh, you know, Ryder, uh, Callum was in there. There was it wasn't it hasn't been like a murderer's row now. Canelo has fought over the course of his career a lot of terrific fighters, and there's no question about that. But so I don't know if we can deduce from you know competition level um, any difference in these fighters. I think they both have fought real a really good schedule. Uh, Canelo's is longer; um, he's had more fights, even though they're 
you know, not that different in the age department. Uh, but, uh, but I think, you know, it's, they've both been at a high championship level in terms of opposition. Al, where do you think Canelo is right now in his career? I mean, obviously it's winding down. We don't know how many fights he has left in him. And again, there, there are some signs here that maybe he is slowing down. I mean, that, and, and it's natural. Um, give me your thoughts on where he is right now. Yeah, you know, he's 33 years of age. He's got two more fights left on this deal that he signed with PBC, which some thought could be the final uh, three fights of his career. Uh, this is the first of the, the three. Um, and I, I think we're seeing the last portion of Canelo's career. He wants to go out. He, he is he's very conscious of He's not fighting for money anymore. At this point, he's got more money than God, right? Uh He's fighting because he loves the sport. He was so passionate when we talked to him in the fighter meetings. He said, I love what I'm doing. He said, I really enjoy this. I enjoy everything about what I'm doing. And so uh, he wants to go out in the blaze of glory. And, uh, and so I, the fact that he's healthy, the fact that he's committed, I think we're going to see the final portion of Canelo's career but we're going to see a good version of Canelo Alvarez during that time. And I think we're, he's a, I think this three fight deal might be the end of his run, maybe. Um, cause you figure it'll take another year and a half to complete that. Uh, and, and I think at that point he might be willing to, uh, ready to step aside. So I think we're seeing the last portion for sure. Um, and, uh, and we'll see how he does. He's very, and he's only wants big fights. He's only going to, these are only all going to be good fights. He's going to fight Charlo. Mike, hopefully in the last three, he'll fight David Benavides, yes. uh, among that group. Uh, so I think we're going to see him in against really good competition as well. And here's the funny thing about that is Al, you know, you talk about a fighter retiring and maybe in, you know, this could be his last couple fights. He's only 33 years old, but we are so used to seeing Canelo when he was fighting at 19 years of age. And we know all the fights that he had as a, as an amateur. And then as a pro, you know, he was just fighting so early and so often. And you would think, okay, when we're talking about a guy who's winding on his career, maybe he might be, you know, approaching 40 or in his later thirties, but that's not the the case. I mean, he still is only 33 years old and is still, you know, phenomenal. As you know, some boxers, I mean, they just start start to peak in their, you know, when they hit 30, 31 yeah, years absolutely. old. Yeah. yeah, no, you're 100% right. So he's not an ancient fighter, but he has been a fighter for a long time, as you point out. It's been a long career. He has a lot of fights um, and he's been at this for a long time. One of the most interesting takeaways from our conversation was what I mentioned earlier. He was so vehement about how he's enjoying this. The, he feels healthy. Uh, you know, the injuries were nagging at him a little bit. And he said, I love it. I bring my family, you know, to train. Uh, I, we were all there. I said, I, the whole process I love. And, you know, he embraces the big fight atmosphere too. You know, he, whether the whole thing leading up to fights, he, you, you feel, Canelo's an invested part of that, you know. Uh, he, you feel the joy he's feeling during that. So, um, you know, he's not. So, as you point out, he's a 33 year old, not ancient, and certainly not jaded about the sport at this juncture. Um, and so, given that, you know, we, we, he's still somebody that you know is well worth watching. And and because he's, you know, when he's facing good, really good competition, as he is in this fight. It makes for a uh, you know a fascinating boxing event. Al, you have covered the greatest uh, fighters over the last you know I'm just going to say over the last you know four decades or so. I mean, Canelo Alvarez is definitely one of those good guys in boxing too. He, he's a guy that you, you know at least for me you know love rooting for him, and uh, he's always stepped up. Uh, gave his mm -hmm. best. He's never made any excuses. He's fought guys that, uh, you know, everyone that's put in front of him, maybe fought Mayweather maybe too early in his career. And I think mm -hmm. that, you know, he feels that way. And, and some people feel, oh, that, that, that's, that's a stain on, on his career. But he is just really one of the good guys. Talk about Canelo Alvarez of covering him and, and broadcasting his fights. And like I said, sitting down and talking with this guy, just knowing that he's going to go down as one of the greats of all time. 
Yeah, he's been listening. You know, every year I have some fighters that are fighters that move the sport forward a notch or are super generators of interest in the sport. He's one of those. You know, he's a fighter for this era who has added to boxing. You know, he's added to boxing from a, a, a commerce standpoint. He's added to boxing from an interest standpoint, from a fan standpoint. Um, you know, you can go back to the man that promoted him at the beginning, Oscar De La Hoya. During Oscar De La Hoya's career, he was one of those people, right? Floyd Mayweather was one of those people. Manny Pacquiao was one of those people. People that are big enough to add to the sport and make it, uh, and, and doing it in different ways. Those four men I mentioned, each very different personalities, very different approaches, um, but all four of them, you know, were like that. And that's what that's how Canelo will be remembered. Will he be remembered as the greatest fighter that ever lived? No. Very good, very good fighter, terrific fighter. Um, but he'll be remembered as a great champion who, uh, as you said, took on a lot of different challenges and somebody who meant a lot to the sport of boxing. Al Bernstein joins us. Final thing on this fight. Al, you're going to be on the call here. How do you see this thing unfolding? Well, I think the the early uh, Canelo will take a round or two to figure things out. He always does. Uh, uh, Jamel Charlo is not the fastest starter either uh, in some cases. So I think the first few rounds are going to be a little bit of a chess match. Then I think we're really going to see Jamel Charlo and Canelo both starting in the third or fourth round, really, boy, each of them are going to try and get that period of the fight from round three to round seven. Very important period in this fight. We're going to see which man can kind of take control or do better. And heading into those, those, those the latter portion of the fight, where I am 100% sure Jamel Charlo, he won't say it 100% to me, or he won't say it exactly this way, but I'm telling you, I think Jamel Charlo feels like everything past round nine is his. Mm. Uh, that's the way he feels. Now, it may or may not be true. He thinks, I think, that if he can get it to that point and be in good shape in this fight, and he's, and he's sustaining through the power of, of Canelo, hasn't been hurt, he feels like he's got a shot in this fight. Canelo, and I think Canelo even understands that he has to fight against that scenario. So I think we're going to see Canelo really want to dominate from rounds three to round eight or so. Uh, and, 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 and Charlo will also want to make sure he does well in that time so he can position himself better for the later rounds. Mm, looking forward to it. Saturday night, T-Mobile Arena. Al Bernstein and, the, and his Showtime crew will be on the call here. Canelo Alvarez taking on Jermel Charlo. But wait, tomorrow night, we've got the, the prelim of all prelims, ladies and gentlemen. Al Bernstein at the Tuscany, he is re... I don't even want to say you're reprising because, you know, you've, you've been doing this for so long, but there are certain fights that are that are big, big-time uh, fights, and Al says, you know what? We, we, we got to treat this with some music. And he did it before Crawford and Spence, remember that. And now you're doing it again, coming up tomorrow night at the Tuscany. You, Kenny Davidson, let's hear about it, my friend. Yeah, we're going to have a fun night. We are pretty much reprising what we did uh, before the Spence Crawford fight at the Tuscany Suites and Casino over on Flamingo Avenue. Um, we're going to be doing the shows at 8 o'clock and 9.30. Um, no cover charts, so just come by the Piazza Lounge and enjoy. We're going to have a lot of boxing celebs there. Raul Marquez, the champ, is going to be there. Abner Mares, um, some of my broadcast mates, uh, and a bunch of other boxing luminaries. Uh, and a lot of folks coming out, and we're going to be doing music, and we're also going to be giving prizes away. Do some boxing trivia, and uh, Showtime Sports has provided me with some very nice prizes, as they did the last time we did it. And we're going to have a uh, we're going to have a really really good time um, doing uh, doing our, our music show and uh, uh, and uh, doing uh, doing a 
what I hope is going to be a fun a fun outing for the for the fans. Oh, that's great stuff, man. Like I said, I wish I could be there, man, but I'm going to be on a plane while while you're hitting you're the stage. Busy with, I know with the aces. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. Well, that's the only thing missing is you not being there. But we're oh. gonna have a we're gonna have a good time. I got a lot of lot of different songs planned, and we're gonna be doing a lot from many different songbooks. Linda Ronstadt, Bob Seger, Lionel Richie songs. Oh uh, the man. Songs. Also, uh, a lot of the a lot of from the Great American Songbook and some blues tunes, and uh, I've got a wonderful singer, Selena Sasso, who's going to be joining us, who is a tremendous singer. Um, and of course, we've got a great band and Kenny Davidson, who performs over at the Tuscany, and a bunch of folks. So uh, come on out uh, tonight. We'll have a good time. It's kicks off the fight weekend, and we'll have a lot of boxing folks there too. Can you get Jim Gray on the mic? Can, I want to hear Jim well, Gray sing a song. Guess what? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Jim Gray is coming there tomorrow night. See, I had a feeling. I just had a feeling. You knew that. Yeah. I I didn't know Jim for Gray sure. Is but coming it, there tomorrow night. Yeah. It, it makes sense. It so makes he sense. will be there. Oh, man. Well, say hello to Jim for him. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll shoot him a text or whatever. And that's great. Uh, Al, uh, great stuff as always, my friend. Uh, rest up, man. I know you're going to you're gonna do a knockout job at the Tuscany tomorrow night. And uh, we look forward to the call on Saturday at T-Mobile Arena. Yeah, it's a, it's a busy weekend. i got to remember not to accidentally throw in boxing in the lyrics of the song and not... <laughs> accidentally throwing the lyric of the song on Saturday night when I'm doing the boxing. i got to keep my brain separated. This is true, man. Well, there you go. At least you got a day, a day hey, in between. Oh. All right. You have fun with the Aces. I'm excited uh, to hear how that plays out, too. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Right, let's, let's try to get together next week, and then we can uh, we can Absolutely. recap the fight. Okay, brother. Thanks, You man. got it. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. There he is, Al Bernstein, the best. Uh, International Boxing Hall of Famer, of course, Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Famer, Nevada Boxing Hall of Famer. Uh, the guy is fantastic, great friend, and loves supporting him with his singing ventures, as you know, out at the Tuscany there on Flamingo. It's a great venue, and Kenny Davidson, uh, Entertainer of the Year, basically, year in and year out. Uh, he has won that award. Uh, and it's great. It's great out there. So yeah, you're going to have the dignitaries out there, the Showtime boxing crew, uh, former boxers, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a fun night. And I try to get out there on Friday nights and Al will go out there and be out there a lot just on, on regular Friday nights of the Tuscany. And then he ends up hosting Kenny Davidson's show usually once every couple months. And then. Again, special occasions with big fights. And Al's been doing this. I mean, I go back to the 90s when when he was doing this at Caesars and other places of that nature. So uh, great guy, great broadcasters, you know, and a very good singer uh, as well. But as far as the Canelo Alvarez-Jamil Charlo fight, you know how I feel about uh, Canelo. Just love him to death. And made a lot of money on Canelo Alvarez. He's minus 425 as this sits right now. And some people are thinking that that is a a big price to lay for Canelo, who is getting up there in age. He's only 33, but he has a lot of mileage on him. There's no question. Jamel Charlo is, is an interesting fighter because I always felt that both him and his brother were good fighters, uh, but maybe not necessarily reached their potential or where that many others thought were they would be. And when you look at... At fights, styles make fights, as we well know. And Canelo is going to probably command this ring. He's got great ring generalship. And even though Canelo will be at a size disadvantage from a height standpoint, again, he is the more bigger, natural fighter. And Canelo's fought taller fighters before. Uh, again, he went in there with Alexander, uh, uh, with, uh, with Kovalev. And just dominate him at 175 pounds. Glad to see Canelo kind of sitting in at 168. I don't want to see him fight at 175 anymore. Uh, I'd love to see him, you know, even go down to 160, but those days are probably gone. But 425 laying for Canelo, um, is something that I'm not crazy about. I actually thought that this fight may come in a little bit lower, that Canelo would be somewhere in the neighborhood, maybe of a minus 250 or 275 favorite, but just goes to show you that, uh, the money always comes in on Canelo, and you can't beat him for experience. And again, uh, I'm rooting for Canelo. Hope, hopefully he wins this fight, and we continue to have bigger fights with him, with David Benavidez. That would be rock solid as well, too. So I think that'd be a great fight. But looking forward to it anyway, Saturday night here at uh, T-Mobile Arena. We come back. We talk some baseball. Chris Basio next. Yeah! 
Around your door and more of what you're looking for with the Dr. T.C. Martin. Could you put your back down? A little hump day. Do a little humping. That's what we're talking about. Hey, don't forget the Aces got the pop-up tent coming back tomorrow at their facility. Right there, 1415 Raiders Way. Brand new facility for the Las Vegas Aces. They got playoff merch ready for you and a whole lot more. And uh, that is happening tomorrow. So make sure you go check that out. That's tomorrow afternoon. I believe uh, from 2 to 4 p.m. So check that out for me, Nubchuck. Looking forward to that. The pop-up. Tent. 2 to 6. 2 to 6. There you go. 2 to 6 p.m. tomorrow. Yes. Go get your Aces swag. All right. Don't forget, show tomorrow at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the Superbook. And then Friday, be broadcasting live from Dallas prior to game three between the Aces and the Wings. The Aces go out for the closeout situation on Friday night and get to their third WNBA Finals in the last four years in their quest to go back-to-back. Let's talk a little baseball right now because this is crunch time right now. Bonafide crunch time. Astros got four games left. We've got the Rangers with five. It's crunch time here. And who better to talk to than our guy, Chris Bazio? What's up, Boz? Not too much. How you doing, TC? I'm good, man. What do you know, man? What's happening there? Just watching how these races are going to pan out. Woo! All right, man. Let's. I don't know what I'm doing here, man, with this AL West. I mean, we saw it was Texas's division for the most part of the summer. Astros put on this this great run uh, in July and August. Texas falters, uh, you know, here in September, and now all of a sudden the Astros lose six out of seven games to the A's and the Royals, or five out of six, or whatever that was, at home. And now the Astros are playing catch up. Astros are playing the Mariners in this. Three game set. Astros won game one on Monday night. Mariners got him last night, game two. Uh, and meanwhile, they're looking at a deficit with the Texas Rangers at two and a half. Boz, you said it just like I did going back a month or so ago, saying, nah, Astros got this division. Now, what are you thinking? I can't believe they played like that at home. And the whole reason I, I thought Houston was going to, have the advantage was because of their schedule and it just goes to show you you know anything can happen and it just again it feels like one of those years that anybody could win this thing i you know we we don't know what's happening in the the american league or the national league Mm. i mean it's gonna it's gonna come down to the last game of the season and you know what it should because I, I can tell you this from experience being the pitching coach with Chicago. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Every night you're going to have a dogfight because nobody wants more than to knock you guys out of a race. That that puts a little, I think, a uh, little pep in your step if you're having a rough season. Kansas City played their butts off against Houston, and so did Oakland. Yeah, and It just goes to show you they're not – Oakland's lost, what, TC, 118 games? <laughs> I know. I know. And they play like, and they play like that, and it, it just goes to show you all these guys got hard, and anybody can win at any time. So flip a coin, TC. I don't know. If I had to pick one team right now, we talked about it earlier, the team, the team that really scares the hell out of me is Philadelphia. Yeah. Because now they're in it. They're going to get in again, and their pitching's starting to roll in the – that offense, that offense is starting to heat up, you know, and we saw what they did last year. But I don't know. Hell, it might be Arizona. I don't know. It is crazy, man. So let me ask you, speaking of which, okay, like you talked about, okay, Philly's in now, dangerous team. Do you subscribe to that theory of, okay, just get in because, you know, once you get in, anything can happen. Because, you know, on the, on the flip side of that, you, everyone talks about momentum. 
All right, you want to ride into the postseason having this mojo going on nice, maybe not necessarily a long winning streak, but just playing good baseball. So how, how do you feel about these teams that are scuffling right now? If they get in, can they just wipe, wipe away the way the end of the regular season happened? Or how is that? You've lived this firsthand, man. It usually plays out the way it's playing out right now. Anybody can win at any time. You know, when when we're, we were rolling, we were rolling. I, I had no doubt. I mean, even in 2015 when we we went into Pittsburgh with a, a young Jake Arrieta and shut him out and knocked him out of the playoffs in the wild card round. Pittsburgh had a good team that year. We had no business beating them. None. And then the Mets, who we went 9-0 and against, sweep us and knock us out of the playoffs. So, again, it just feels like one of those years, TC. Amen. And, yeah, momentum has a lot to do with it. But who has it right now? Who, who has the momentum? I don't, know, I don't know who's got that right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess if anybody, you would say Texas, but then they get blasted by the Angels last night. You know, they were down nine to one most of that game, and the final was nine to three. They'd won seven in a row before that. But again, we've seen all three of these teams just get really streaky. You know, for the good and the bad. And we're talking about Houston and Texas and Seattle here. I don't know. Uh, let me ask you this, boss: How do you feel about the three wild cards? I mean, are you a proponent of that or not? No, I don't like it. I look the the way the playoffs were set up before. I think were outstanding because it challenged the pitching staffs on every team that gets in the playoffs. Now with the the expanded off days and the and the extra team, you know, yeah, you you might be letting another team in, but it, I just think it's taken away from. I think the integrity of the game and the challenge of the game within your team, if you have more time to prepare, then some of the better teams are going to be better off. The less time, like it used to be, a bloop, a bloop and a blast can, can sink you and knock you out of a series. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen too much now because normally the better teams will win or win because there's longer series. You go back to the AL West, and what a difference this is going to make for either Texas or Houston. As we sit here right now going to tonight's play, the Astros have one less game. they got four remaining, and Texas has five, but they have a two-and-a-half game lead. So basically, if you're Dusty Baker, you're saying, you know, guys, we got we got to win out here, plain and simple, because think about this, Boz. The winner of that division – is going to get the number two seed, and the loser is going to get the sixth seed, and that's a big difference. I mean, the Astros, you know, again, and if the Astros lose to Seattle, they could they could be out altogether here because that would mean Seattle would pick up two games in the last two days on the Astros, and they could sneak in there. I mean, it, it's crazy the way you know the seedings go because obviously the division champions are going to have you know the one, two, and three seeds here, so. I mean, wow, that's crazy. Two two versus six, and this thing could end basically. They could be tied where the Astros would have the, the tiebreaker or lose by one game. Look for the tie. It just feels like one of those years, T.C. It does, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think that's a great call. It, 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 just, it just seems like the way this thing's going to play out. You know, and then the, somebody who will, they're going to win the tiebreaker and somebody's going to win out, somebody's going to lose out. But you know, I don't know. I, I try to I tried to look at the schedule and be that prognosticator. That's why you can take that, you can throw it out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, every every night, you know, you, you got no name pitchers going six and seven innings, you know, against guys that have been there before. And that's the thing that's unbelievable about Texas is the guys that they've lost, they they're they're going out there with a bunch of guys that they haven't been there before. These these kids haven't been in the postseason. And the guys that they had, they gave $50, $60 million a year to, you know, DeGrom and Scherzer are nowhere to be seen. 
it's amazing that they're doing it, but they, they got a heck of an offense. And, uh, I love Boach, you know, and I, and I, I know he's just, he's loving it being back in it. I just don't know. I don't know who's going to win this thing. I really don't. I, again, I would pick the longest shot on the board and put my money on that one because I just feel like it's one of those years. Chris Bosio joins us talking a little Major League Baseball pennant races here. When you look at um, the National League, I can guarantee you here, I'm, I'm going to look at my crystal ball and can say that uh, of all the series, you would be locked in to this potential 3-6 matchup of the NL of the Cubs and the Brew Crew. Come on, man. How much are you looking forward to this? I, I want to see them play six straight games against each other at the end of the year. I, I can honestly tell you, you know, Cubs-Cardinals series is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Cubs-Brewers, another level. Another level. Especially when they get up in uh, County Stadium, Miller Park, whatever, American Family Field. I don't know what they're calling it. American <laughs> Family Field, I guess now. Yeah. It's, it, it echoes. It's loud. Mm-hmm. And you know those cheesers are going to be absolutely going nuts starting Friday night celebrating that they won the division on these guys again, rubbing it in their face. You know, and this this all started, TC, and you know this, when Zambrano <laughs> threw his no-hitter in American Family Field and the Cubs tailgated in the parking lot for hours. Yeah. Yeah. And it's they still talk about that, how the Cubs, you know, were on their turf, you know, when they uh, they canceled the game down in, in Chicago because of weather, and they just picked a neutral site. But then Zambrano throws a no-hitter, and these guys are having a parade all around Wisconsin, you know, a bunch of Chicagoites partying. Yeah, back in the day when it was Miller Park, man, and I uh, love that. Now, when you were the pitching coach with the Cubs, and you would go into Milwaukee, you being the former brewer, and I know how fond of that organization you were, how did that feel for you? I mean, you're, you're putting on the pinstripes there, you know, obviously you never pitched for the Cubs, but you know, that's, that's your gig now, man. And, and, and those, and that pitching staff, they're your guys and everything. What were those emotions like, especially when you would go into Miller Park? Well, first of all, I had the honor of being, you know, selected in the little walk of fame. And I'm out there, uh, outside the, uh, third baseline, uh, stands out there with a bunch of my teammates from the 1989 team, Robin Yao, Paul Molitor. And I was lucky enough to get that top row. And, you know, for my kids to go out there and accept that award, every time I walked on that field as a, as a coach, I mean, people and friends and neighbors were always yelling at me all the way through the game. Um, it was like going home, you know, and I still know those people in the front office because I worked for them as a scout and, and as a pitching coach in the minor leagues. I uh, had a number one of those. Trevor Hoffman was my closer when I was the pitching coach when I took over um, there. And, I mean, I got a lot of great relationships there, so that's a special place for me. You got it. Chris Bosio uh, joins us. All right, man. So who's that dark horse right now? I know it, it's hard to call, but if we as we get ready for the postseason, it's going to start here in less than a week. Give, give me, give me that dark horse, and I know that you're not opposed to, uh, you know, going to the to the betting window, man. All right, who who are you looking at? I'm. Uh, I tell you what, I've seen Kyle Schwarber do some of the most incredible stuff in the playoffs. Getting Harper back is huge. I really think this Philadelphia could win it all. I, I really do. I think Philadelphia is going to end up playing uh, Atlanta. I think Philadelphia's pitching is better than Atlanta's. You know, they just got to be able to hold that offense down. And with the weather changing, I think it's going to benefit, you know, some of these other teams that don't have as much offense. Because Atlanta, I mean, they just hit their 300 home run last night. That's incredible. Yeah. You know, I, I don't expect them to do that in the playoffs. And speaking of Atlanta and the pitching, I mean, you know this better than anybody. I mean, you need to have your pitchers healthy. 
I mean, you go through the grind of the season, and in the last few weeks, the uh, the Braves have have lost some key components here, man. How do you think this plays out with the Atlanta's pitching, and, and how much is that going to hurt them? It's going to hurt them a lot because they're going to be playing from behind, and then their middle relief is going to be very susceptible. And once you start getting those medium throwers in there against these offenses, that's when some of these offenses tend to go a little bit crazy. You know, this is going to be this is going to be another postseason for the left-handed bats. You watch a lot of left-handed bats in this postseason are going to have great series, and you know, one swing could end it and win it for somebody. Never know. You spent a lot of time, you know, up until the last few months of living down there uh, in Arizona, right there in Phoenix. What the heck is going on with the Diamondbacks? I mean, no one in their right mind thought this team would even come close to sniffing the playoffs. And here they are at 84 and 74 right now and currently the number five seed. TC, you know, and you can appreciate this. I think anybody listening can appreciate this is baseball doesn't have an age. If you can play, you can play. The one thing and I will give the Diamondbacks credit for is they tried to put, you know, veterans on their team the last couple of years, and it hasn't worked out. They just went straight to the youth movement like a lot of teams did, but they were all in, and they were all in early. And they got some, they got some rookies on that team. They got a couple little left-handed hitters that are scrappy. And they got a pitching staff that's actually doing pretty good. You know, and Arizona's not going away. They're right there. You know, I, I'd probably pick Arizona or over Cincinnati because of their pitching. But I don't know. Hmm. Chicago could lose out and lose their playoff spot altogether in Cincinnati and Arizona are your, are your teams. Again, I don't know because now with the Brewers winning their division, I hope that they've already had their rotation set up because this could be a do or die game for Chicago, you know, at American family field, as well as for Arizona. And that's, that's the ironic thing too, TC all these teams that have so much to play for, all of them are on the road. Right. Yeah. All of them got to, Cubs got to go on the road. You know, Arizona's on the road. They're in Chicago right now. Houston's in, in Seattle. Texas is in Anaheim. You know, it's, it's absolutely crazy. You know, and then last night, Atlanta gets behind 6 nothing and does a snatch and back on Chicago. A uh, drop by drop fly ball by Suzuki that cost him the game and might have cost him a playoff spot. That was a huge miss. Yeah, I couldn't believe that game. I saw that six nothing. I go, okay, this one's over. Then I go back and I watch the highlight. It was seven six. What? what? What are you talking about? And then you talk about closing, you know, closing the season here this weekend. You got the Astros are at the Diamondbacks. And again, no one would have had that circled on their calendar, but here are going to be two teams playing for their playoff lives here on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Arizona. I know, and that's that's the reason I like Arizona, because they're going home. They played so well at home. Um, and I know you remember this when, they, when Arizona won the World Series with Schilling and Johnson. Yeah. That place can get loud too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, now they've got something to yell about. Especially, you know, if they got if they got to win two out of three at home, it's a pretty good chance Arizona's going to make the playoffs. And more importantly than anything else, Boz, good food options there at Chase Field. Yeah, there's <laughs> solid solid options. <laughs> All right, my man. Appreciate the time as always. Uh, we'll. Tap into you a lot more here as we get into the playoffs, man. Looking forward to it, and it's uh, it's anybody's race, man. But uh, we'll 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 see how this thing plays out, and I, I hope for our boy Dusty. I know he got a ring last year, but nah, come on, man. They they they, they got to close out. They got to close out in fashion. Uh, Michael Brantley's finally getting back in the lineup tonight. I mean, he has been out forever, and then he comes back, and he's was a hitting machine, but he hasn't played the last three weeks. 
And now he's getting back yeah. in the lineup tonight. So uh, Astros are gonna gonna need him. And I don't know what's going on with the Astros pitching here. I mean, I mean Verlander had a gym, but Valdez has been struggling. Javier's been struggling, and then you know those youngsters with with France and Brown, they they they've just ran out of gas. And I kind of felt that that was gonna happen. And so I don't know, man. Postseason, just get in, and then you can shorten the rotation and, and shorten everything up here. Well, the hardest thing to do is win back-to-back, especially, you know, in games, let alone in, you know, your division or the World Series. And, you know, Houston's going through that. You know, it's hard to have solid back-to-back years. But that's that's what makes you good pitchers. That's what makes you good players. And the, the one thing that they have in their advantage is they are a playoff-gritty team. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect anything less from a, you know, Houston Astros team. They were, they were good before Dusty got there. Now they're better, but they, they've been through the, the grind of the playoffs. And if anybody can do it, they can. All right, my man, I appreciate it. Take care, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Yep, you got it, brother. There he is, Chris Bazio. Ah, uh, yes, the former pitcher, author of a no-no back in the day, and of course. Cubs pitching coach in 2016. All right. I want to thank all Bernstein for joining us today. Showtime Championship Boxing will be on the call. Showtime pay-per-view. Canelo Alvarez, Jamel Charlo for the undisputed super middleweight title that Canelo Alvarez holds at 168. Great stuff from Al. Appreciate him. Of course, Boz and the MLB talk. You heard from Becky Hammond direct. Wow. That's all I got to say, baby. Just gold right there with Becky Hammond. Telling it like it is what she thinks about how the WNBA MVP voting went down. All right. We'll have more Aces for you tomorrow. And again, Friday, we'll be on the road in Dallas as the Aces try to close it out. All right. Also, Trevor Maddich, appreciate him for joining us. Talking a lot of college football here today. All right. Back at it tomorrow. Barry Odom joins us. UNLV head coach. How about that? Three and one right now. Could be four and one. Taking on those Hawaii Rainbow Warriors this weekend. Tomorrow we're at the Westgate. Come on out. See the show live. We will be there. Joe Cortez will be there. And a whole lot more. If you miss any part of the show, you know where to go. TCMartinShow.com. Check out the interviews and the blog.